this last year for me was a tough year. So not, not with the building, you know, I mean, I've had good years and tough years and okay years. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, I heard something a while back that to me resonates with me. And uh, it was that consistency is a superpower. See, we all want Superman superpower. I just want consistency. Because when you have consistency, it is a superpower. And there's something about having pastored this church for 10 years. Look, Sundays come and go. Whoo, and they come quickly. And every week you got to, it's a Super Bowl. And that pressure, you know, which I've learned to live with the pressure. But here's what I've also learned to do. Good times and bad times, easy times and hard times, I stay consistent, faithful, doesn't matter what's happening. Why? Part of that is the demand, and that's why you've got the beauty of the dream team growing regardless of what their life looks like. See, some of you think, well, I'll serve when my life is perfect. No, you serve now, and what you realize is your life will never be perfect, but I continue to grow. And so here's what I have never done. I've never stalled. There have been seasons where it's like, I didn't get very far, but I got somewhere. You know what I mean? But I can honestly tell you that I am today the furthest I've ever been in my life. And every day, just a little bit. My whole mentality has just made me 1% better. If you'd have come to our church, let me say it like this, 10 years ago, you probably wouldn't have come back. <laughs> we were growing, but I just, I say you probably wouldn't have. Hopefully you would have. Some of you guys are still there. You'd have been there. I, I just laugh at it. I, I don't even know if you know it. I had hoop earrings. <laughs> Pastor, you got hoop earrings? I had them for a couple of years. See, you're like, no, I wouldn't have been there. I know you wouldn't have been there. But there were people there. And here's what God told me back then. I look back, I feel a little foolish about it. But I, I felt like the Lord said, if you'll be you, when people come, they can be themselves. Well, then there came a point where I just had to grow up. I'm like, well, that's cool and all, but I am a pastor. I need to get rid of the hoop earrings. But thank God, Mary, uh, you know, Jesus' sister, my mama, stayed with me with my hoop earrings at the Cinemark movie theater. You know, I look at many. Jolea was back there with us at the, you know, all these times where, Stefan, where you at? Where you at, Stefan? Stefan was with me at the movie theater. Yeah, we've been doing this a long time. <clears throat> What's my point? You just continue to grow. Well, last year was a little bit of a tough year for me, not in what God was doing here at the church. It was personally, uh, which for me, when I preach, I'm going to preach out of victory. I'm going to preach out of, you'll never know when I'm fighting a battle because that's really not. For me, I got people that know everything. And what you came for was for me to encourage you through your storm. So then the encouragement comes. See, if, you, if I talk about a whole lot of it while I'm in it, that's what we call dumping but I got a solution tonight because I done been through it. Well, that's how you encourage. Does that make sense? So when I was down, I got my pastor, I got my friends, I got my family, my wife. So, so don't ever feel sorry for me. I'm surrounded by great people. I got, but this is the message that comes out of that. You know, I was thinking you can look good on the outside, but on the inside, you can feel confused, trapped, unable to move. So, so you're moving, but it's like, it ain't me moving, God, that's you moving me, because I, I, I wouldn't be able to move. Hurting, these are some words that I would, I would say. Experiencing pain with a hopelessness of, would it ever get better in this situation? Loss. Hurt by relationships, things that were said, things that were not said, things that were done, things that were not done. Missed expectations. So not even that anybody did anything wrong, but they didn't meet my expectation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever been hurt by your behavior or lack of behavior? And you're like, I just didn't know. If you've ever lived any amount of time, you're going you're gonna to be hurt by people. You know, it's funny. I, I was talking about small groups last, last weekend. If you didn't get hear the message, you really need to go back. It was, this whole series is kind of our banner, you know. And I was just thinking, 
people, it's not if people will hurt you, it's when. But then the question is, do you have the tools to keep moving forward? Because they don't even think about you anymore. You think that they are thinking about you, hurting in your pain, sitting there, offended, frustrated, bitter. They ain't thought about you. They didn't even know. Most of the time don't even know. And if they do, they thought about you for a second and they're already moving. You are the one that's stuck. You know, maybe spouse, your, your spouse lied to you, betrayed you, said things that were hurtful. And here's the mentality you could have. They're lucky I'm still around. Now, you may not ever say that. But in your heart, you're like, oh, yeah, you're just lucky. You're lucky because anybody less than me would have left. You, you know, it's a teenager, you know. My parents don't really care about me, man. I, they, they yell at me. They act like they don't care, you know. They don't show up to games. They get too busy. They get distracted. They overreact. So the mentality is, well, they just... You, you carry this wound because the very person you believe is supposed to nurture you and meet all of your needs is not doing that, and there's a major deficiency. You're, you're an employee. You know, you, you get out there and your boss, your boss is supposed to equip you and empower you and set you up, and you feel like he just left you stranded on an island. You're doing the best you can, and he is critical, judgmental. You feel like he's talking about you. And is doing anything but helping you. And you're like, well, of course I'm going to be hurt by him. And then, then they want the audacity to ask you to, hey, could you pick up some extra slack? But you're walking around, you got a smile on your face, but you got a wound in your heart. Maybe you remember at this church or you've come to Anchor Bend and it's like, oh, pastor says he loves me. Or the leaders say they're there. Or, and somebody didn't call you when you had a bad day or challenges arose and you told someone but it just right over their head and you're like if they cared they'd join me in my pain and you know and there's some offense there's something said not said done not done and you're here but the truth is you're wounded you're hurting I mean I was there wounded hurting trapped Unable to move on. What do you do? Look, this is what we do. Matthew chapter 18. Peter finds himself, and Peter, he, he is my guy. I like Peter. I kind of, re, I always, I, I relate to Peter. I relate more to Peter in his mistakes than his successes. I'd like to think I'd get out of the boat. I am a little bit crazy. I mean, to stand on a stage and say we need a million dollars in a hundred days. I feel like I got a little bit of Peter in me. We jumping out, we sinking, we swimming, whatever. I'm out with you, Jesus. So, but I also, I like his mistakes and his failures. But in here, Peter is funny because he's going to go to Jesus. And back then, they're talking about forgiveness. And the religious said, hey, we forgive people three times. Like three times and we out. Like three strikes. So Peter came up to Jesus. He said, here's his question. <laughs> Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Peter, thinking he's a rock star, he's not going to do three. He's going to double what is the cultural norm. So Peter's feeling pretty good about himself. Not only double, but a double plus one. Seven. And then Jesus said to him, look, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. And, you know, you, you got to look at it with 77, 70, it's not even the principle. It's not even about the adding it up. It's the infinity. Perfection times perfection. You, you do it constantly forever until you reach into eternity. And, and so he is coming with this revelation from heaven about people not having to earn your forgiveness. Because, see, the religious said, I'll forgive you, but you got to work for it. I need to see some improvement because that's the limitation of people, right? Your forgiveness is only granted to those who have worked hard and proved they loved you enough to earn the forgiveness that you now bestow on them. So I just, I think about it. And if you're like me, when some stuff happens, I, 
I wish I could say I always respond correctly. I've learned if I'll shut my mouth, people are less likely to know how I'm responding. So I just learned how to hide it. Well, but how many know silence doesn't equate the right way? Correct heart. It just means I've learned to, to be a little more self-controlled. Go to a place where somebody maybe not hear me or see me. or I don't want to forgive people that hurt me. Don't they know? They know better. They're supposed to be more mature than me. They're supposed to be leading me. They're supposed, like, have you ever said this? If they knew my heart. Here's what I want. I want justice. Expose them, God. Come on, come on. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Am I the only one? Expose them, God. We get on our self-righteous pedestal. As if God hasn't been in the middle of whatever we've walked through. But we like to stand up because we are the man of the hour. We feel justified in what we said. But how many of you know, and I said it was Ezekiel last week, and it's Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things, and God knows. And so, listen, just or unjust, right or not right, God will use every opportunity to reveal and expose our hearts so that we can be the vessels that display his glory to the world that is around us. But I want what's right. And you know, part of it's like, God, I don't want to accept anything less. That's what I expect, and we'll pray it. And... But then we think about why, 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 why accept anything less? Like, God, isn't that right? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we expose people? And I would just tell you, too, you know, maybe you have the gift to expose, but what I find is more of a biblical model is not the exposing of, but the praying for. God exposes. Because I'd be real careful. You start to expose people. God's like what goes around. You reap what you. So I just learned this. Hey, if I see something, I'm going to pray. God, touch them, bless them, bring some around them to cover them. Because that's what I want somebody to do for me because my heart is generally right. Like I'm trying. I'm not going to say always right because it is wicked. It's deceitful. It is fleshly. I'm the righteousness of God, but I mean, no, I'm being transformed (laughs) into his glory. So why do we accept anything less? Let me go into Matthew. Just continue with this story, which is such a fascinating story. It's Matthew 18, and we're going to go into verse 23 through 35. So Peter has asked this question. Now look at Jesus' response. Not only does he say 70 times 70, 70, 70 times 7, but he says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like. So in other words, I'm the king, and I'm going to tell you how my kingdom functions. This ain't ain't like some little fairy tale of another place. He is literally revealing the secret of heaven and how heaven operates And just remember, he's talking about himself because he is the king. It is King Jesus. There is a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, to know the 10,000 talents, that would be millions of dollars. So the point is, it was more than this man could ever pay. Some translations say 20 years worth of labor, work. But the principle is the fact that you you could never repay the debt that is owed. It is so great. So a man comes to him, and he's not able to pay. And his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. In other words, there is a debt that is owed, and payment must be paid. And so we see he's going to lock him up. And the servant falls down before him and says, Master... Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, which is fascinating because sympathy and empathy, you know, those are embracing the feelings of, and compassion moves you to action. You know, every time Jesus did a miracle, it never said he was empathetic. never said he was sympathetic. It said compassion. Because compassion moved him. And so this, this, this king says, man, I, I've, 
I am moved and I'm going to do something. And so he literally releases him and forgives his debt. So imagine a debt that could never be paid. I don't know about you, but as a king, I'm going to have to weigh that. It's like, wow, hold on. That's good. Because here's the deal. That forgiveness for the king wasn't cheap. Cost him a lot. Isn't that the blood of Jesus? The debt of the sin, the, the penalty, the, like, it wasn't cheap. It's a gift, but it costs somebody. And so here he is. He's paid this. He's, he cancels the debt. But then that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, the, when they look at this, this is about a this is about a hundred days worth of wages. So, an infinite amount that could never be paid, and a debt that could be paid in a quarter of a year, a third of a year. And look at how he responds to this guy. And he laid his hands on him. And he took him by the throat. Saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet. Begged him. You think he would have had deja vu. You think there would have been this thing. And notice what didn't happen. That just king didn't put his hands on anybody. He didn't take anybody by the throat. He says he falls down to his feet. He's begging, please, please, please have patience with me. And I'll pay you. And here's what's amazing. That debt is payable. 100 days, I bet he could have had that debt in just a little bit. It wasn't. I'll pay you at all. And he would not. So it's within his power. But went through him into prison till he should pay his debt. So when his fellow servants saw this and what had been done, they were very grieved. They came and told their master all that had been done. And his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he could pay all that was due to him. So in other words, he called that debt due. It was forgiven. But because of his response to another that owed him, now his debt was called due. Imagine the debt that we owe. Would you like for Jesus to call your debt due? And imagine this turned him over, delivered him over to people who would torture, the torturers. So my heavenly father, he's talking about his kingdom. This ain't just some fable, some fairy tale, some story will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive. Tonight I want to share a few thoughts on breaking free from the prison of unforgiveness. Think about this story. Think about what would happen. Debts owed, forgiven. That man goes and unjustly calls another's due. When you look at the scale of what was owed, it's not even in comparison. And because of that, he's tortured, he's imprisoned. That's my first thing. If you're writing, taking notes, I want you to write this down. Unforgiveness locks you in a prison. Oh, I know you're walking around free, but I want you to know a couple of things. There's a lot of people that have their freedom on the outside, but they've been imprisoned on the inside. You got people in jail right now that have more freedom than some of you. 
Because prison is not about a location, it's about a condition. You've been wounded, you've been hurting, you feel trapped, unable to move, you're clinging on to anger, resentment, starting to hold a grudge, that's some of the first steps. Just a little frustrated, just a little... You start to see that person that you used to smile, and now you see them and you cringe. It's a real good indicator that you're walking down a wrong path, that something is getting wedged in your heart. And see, that debt that the guy owed took a little while to build up. And I'm just telling you that unforgiveness in your heart, sometimes it's an immediate thing and sometimes it's a building thing. Some of you, you could point back to the moment you got hurt and unforgiveness that locked you in a prison. Some of you, it was one interaction that kind of bothered you and another interaction, just a little, but you didn't address what it was doing in your heart. And then six months, a year down the road, you didn't see it, you didn't feel it, but you find yourself now in a prison and you're unaware of it. It's becoming normal. Have, have you ever seen that, which I, here's what I, I feel, and, and I hate to even say it, but I used to think we were normal, Mom and Steve and Steph and all of the Kyle's clan. And I just realized we're dysfunctional. We're a mess. I mean, because I don't know any family that's not at some level, but we, what we find is you're comfortable in your dysfunction. Let me tell you this. Some of you have become comfortable in your prison. And the devil is okay with you coming to church because he has you bound and locked up in this thing called unforgiveness. And you wonder why you don't have any power, any victory. You see everybody with a smile on their face and you are putting a smile on your face, but you got great pain in your heart. It's because unforgiveness is toxic. You get bitter. You start to harbor this unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison expecting someone else to die. Nobody else is being poisoned. And you just keep on and you just keep on and you're drinking. But on the inside, you're the one that's eroding away and locked in this prison. The impact of unforgiveness is unbelievable. You know, I wrote in my book, I think it's chapter five, Let It Go, and I talked about the forgiveness, but unforgiveness is actually demonstrated and expressed through your body, your emotions, mentally, spiritually. According, there's a research done by Dr. Michael Berry I'm going to say this, but I just, I'm going to throw a caveat out. 61% of all cancer patients have severe forgiveness issues. Now, I want you to hear this. Not every cancer patient, I believe, has it. But isn't it fascinating that they could correlate up to 61% of the people that he went and surveyed and studied, had not just, but severe. Why? Because unforgiveness is a cancer to your bones, to your life. And that's where I'm telling you, you can hop from one marriage to another marriage. You can hop from one job to another job. You can move from one friend to another friend. You can go from one church to another church. But that unforgiveness is still within you, not within them. And until you resolve it, you could change location and people and all those things. But you're the one that continues to die. And here's the fallacy or the challenges. You will blame it on everybody else. And the devil will cause you to just keep believing your little lie because you don't get around people that will tell you the truth because of the pain of the trauma of the past. It's too painful. And as long as you live in this isolated bubble, so go to church, but don't go to a small group. Go to church, don't serve, and the devil's happy. I'm convinced. I'm convinced the devil is operating in churches all across America. I'm convinced he operates in people's lives here. Why? If I was the enemy, I would do it. Go get you some church, baby, as long as you stay in your prison. 
Go feel good about Jesus and get your little smile, your little hallelujah, and you come on back to your prison, which happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I just don't want you free. I'm convinced, you know, I was thinking, I, did, I was doing some study or just journaling the other day, and I had said something, the prosperity gospel, I'm convinced. I don't, I don't believe it's Jesus. And I'm not going to label who I think, but let me tell you this. If I was the devil, I would help some of those people get debt free. I would fund the great deception. Wouldn't you? Oh, that's God. Are you sure it's God? Because the fruit of God means it leads me to the foot of the cross. You understand what I'm saying? And so I'm just telling you, I, I know, I'm, I know I'm, I'm, you came on a Wednesday. This ain't a Sunday. You said you was, I know, I know, I know. Here's something that's very fascinating too. Unforgiveness increases anxiety, depression, elevates your blood pressure, your vascular resistance, decreases your immune response, and worsens the effects of coronary artery disease. Don't tell me it doesn't impact your life. Some of you have got health challenges and you're trying to curse the devil, but you've got the disease within you. But here's what's cool. God brought you here tonight because we're going to deal with it. When you harbor negative emotions, anger and hatred creates a state of chronic anxiety. And chronic anxiety produces excess Adrenaline and cortisol, which deplete the production of natural killer cells, which is your body's foot soldier to fight against cancer. So think about that. You unforgive. So, so you just you are killing the very essence of your body that God designed to fight disease and sickness. Wow. Yeah, go to church, get your Jesus, and let me just kill you slowly. Jesus knew how toxic unforgiveness was. That's why I said 70 times 7. There, it's infinity. It never stops. Why? Because you got to get that sickness out of you. And that's how you get it out is you learn how to forgive. What is forgiveness? Write this down. Forgiveness is the act of pardoning someone for a wrong that they have committed. I'm going to pardon them. I'm going to pardon them. So I'm not, and just understand this, we're not saying that something didn't happen. We're just saying that we're going to pardon them for what has happened. Now, let me tell you what forgiveness is not, because I can hear someone and feel it, and I, I feel your pain. I've been hurt. Maybe somebody did cheat on you. Maybe you were abused. People said and did bad things to you. I've had so many unjust things happen in my life. It's, it's almost unbelievable some of the depth of pain that I have experienced, even as a, as a young businessman. And I just always go back to the deeper the work, the greater the fruit. So it's like, God, if you want to take it all, take it all. I have come to the foot of the cross. So it's yours anyway. So let me just tell you what forgiveness is not. It's not excusing bad behavior. It's not condoning bad behavior. It's not even forgetting what has happened, but when you remember, it ought to be a scar and not a scab. Shouldn't be a whole lot of pain where it's like, oh my God, I'm still, no, no, forgiveness means, oh, it happened. I'm not going to ignore it. Because see, my prison will become my platform one day. I'll be able to show people I was in prison once, but God himself has set me free and let me show you how he did it. So we don't forget the pain. We don't forget the trauma. We don't. It's not taking away even the hurt. You can forgive and still have pain and that be getting healed. It's not like you forgive right now and it's like it, it all just goes away. No, no, it's a process. It takes a little time. It's not liking or loving the person that offended you. I forgive them, so I got to love them. No, no, I don't like a lot of people that offended me, that hurt me. But I pray for them. I'm not going to let them close to me because I know they're not safe. It's not sacrificing justice. Someone did something, they need to go to jail. The justice and court system takes them, take them to jail. Throw their butts in jail. 
and let them get Jesus in that prison cell. So I'm not even trying to like we just get them off. There's accountability for action. I tell people all the time, well, I sinned. And I'm like, cool. Some sins have a bigger accountability factor. That's great. You repent, but there's probably going to be some consequences. But the good thing is God's going to help you through those consequences. But as a man, you own it. You're like, I did it. And I apologize. And I'm sorry. And I repent. And whatever the consequence is, I'll take it. And what I have found, when a man walks up in that kind of a heart, God tends to have great mercy. But it's up to God. It's not even offering to reconcile. So I'm not even saying you got to go to the person that hurt you and say, hey, let's just reconcile. No, no, some relationships don't ever need to be reconciled. That person is not healthy, will never be healthy, and it will do nothing but wound you more. So I just want you to hear what I'm saying. Now, I want to just give us a little bit of a foundation because <clears throat> some of you were going to go to a place tonight and tonight's not going to be a fix-all. It's just a foundation. There are two natural psychological laws of social justice that are actually a part of our human nature. It's ingrained in us. And you have to know it because to live on a new level, you're going to have to deal with it. These are the law of restitution and the law of retribution. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The law of restitution is the demand for fair repayment and compensation for what's happened. So in other words, give me back what you took from me. I forgive you, but I want it back. It's the, you can hit me, but I'm going to hit you back. This is, this is what we love in the revenge movies. You know, you watch the revenge movie, they, somebody's wife or spouse gets killed, and you're like, oh. You know, Liam Neeson busts out, like, he's out. And what are we doing? We're cheering for what? Restitution. They killed her? Go get them, big dad. And you are justified. Don't just take him out, take them all out. Just boom, 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 boom. That's a natural law. That's, that's, that's in us. That's why we love those movies. So the second one is the law of retribution. This is a demand for punishment, consequences. This is the justice. You hurt me, now you're going to pay. And you need to be punished for whatever offense you have done against me. This is, you know, where we're saying an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This is the justice side. And again, it's a natural law. It's on, it's on the inside of all of us. And even in the Old Testament, that's why they would say, whatever you've done, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be a retribution. If you take a guy's eye out, then whoever did loses an eye. You break an arm, then your arm will be broken. It's, and back in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, all of this, it's in you. It's hardwired in you. I'm going to hurt them. They hurt me. We're going we're gonna, we're gonna to make this retribution right. And I think that's within all of us, right? I mean, how, how many have had somebody do something to you in your first nature? Is, oh, just forgive you. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> no, how many have had these thoughts? I don't know about you. You've been like, kill them, God. Just kill them. I wouldn't even care. Don't even care. Just, I won't say nothing. Just do it. All you, Jesus. Here's the challenge. You can be saved and still be living according to these laws. And I want you to hear this. Retribution and restitution cannot give you what you need. That's the law. You understand? So what Jesus was doing, he's speaking to a greater law. A new kingdom. Remember what Jesus' focus was. I am the king and I'm bringing in a new kingdom that is not of this earth. And the natural laws of retribution and restitution won't work in this kingdom. And we see that because of what happens in this soul story. And so here's what we have to know. Forgiveness, write this down. Forgiveness is letting go of our demand for these laws to be enforced. You see how much deeper this is? It's like. Okay, I got to let, so, because we have a right to demand. 
by the world system and the old covenant and the old way of doing it. But here's the challenge. You represent a king whose kingdom has come to this earth and he has given you what he now expects you to give to others. Forgiveness. A wiping away. And whatever offense, just imagine we're the first one, whatever offense that other person has done, he saved everything that you owed him and he saved you from it. He wiped it away. So compare all of your sins that should send you straight to hell. The blood of Jesus has said, not even pay me back, wiped out. Never to be remembered again as far as the east is from the west. And then we come to this one little thing where someone said something. And Jesus has wiped away the sin of our life. And they didn't say it right to me. They didn't do it right. You, you, you see, the, to, that's, this is how you get God's eyes. So when you look through God's eyes, God's like... What in the world? Son, daughter, don't you realize? All the times you committed adultery with the things of this world, you love money more than me, that's adultery. So just as bad as it is to have an affair or spouse to have an affair, how many times have you had an affair with the God of this world from the God of the universe going back and forth? Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth to different lovers, to different people, to different things that we love. And God's like, I thought you said you love me. Though you're not physically having an affair, you are spiritually when you go back and forth. And he's like, and you can't forgive this. And even, even, look, look, I... Even affairs in marriages, you know, you just got to be real careful. Do you know why the clause is in there? Because some people just can't get over it. I'm telling you. I'm not saying in your situation, my situation. But you better look through the eyes of God as to what you will or will not tolerate. Oh, I'm ne- okay, I got it. I'm not, I'm not telling you to be in an abusive relationship. Here's the sad thing about it. People do bad things and make poor choices. They do. But so do you. So have you. Yeah, but I've never done that. Well, yeah, you have. You did it to the king of kings. Do you see how this begins to say, God, as a church, my God, how could we, how could we live with unforgiveness? This is where we begin to really say, God, I, I do trust you. I love you. I, I, I don't understand. I don't think I deserve this. I know they weren't right. I feel like they weren't right. But I'm open. Only forgiveness sets you free from the prison. Unforgiveness has locked you in. It's the only key. There's no other way. Write this down. Unforgiveness opens the door to tormentors in your life. Some of you have been tormented. Let me say it like this. Unforgiveness grants and allows demonic spirits access permission to torment you. You've been coming to 21 days of prayer, binding the devil, and you gave him a key to your house. God, it ain't real. No, 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 no. You gave him the key. Well, why would God do that? He didn't. You did. He forgave you, but you won't forgive them. Oh, spirit of torment. Yeah, yeah. It's a demonic spirit that is sent on assignment to torment you. Why would God allow it? Because he'll do anything to get you into the right position to forgive people just like he forgave you. Did he do it? No, but he'll allow it. Don't kid yourself. God allows. A lot of times it's we've given that legal right. 
God insists that we forgive others. There's no other way. Write this down. Forgiveness breaks the power of the enemy off of your life. So that legal right you've given that demonic spirit, forgiveness breaks that right. I want you to know forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to trust people who abused you. Here's what you have to do. You have to release them from being punished your way for what they did to you. See, we serve a holy God. You serve a holy God. You believe he's holy, he's just. God, my job is to release them and you'll take. I love the story. I was telling my sons, I've been talking to them about the grace of God. You know, God's really been working with me on the grace of God, the love of God. And just think it's so funny how the more of God's grace I embrace in my life, the more I love him. It's like, I, I get, I understand that whole scripture. It's like, for the grace of God, not that we sin more, but that we sin less. And as I experience real grace, man, it just leads you to the foot of the cross. It's like, God, you know, how many have ever blown up on your kids or your spouse? And then, then you're in a place where you got to pour out and you're like, man, I feel like a hypocrite. Hello? In 10 years, how many times do you think I've blown up on my kids? Said things, done things, and then I'm sitting on the front row and I'm going to talk to you about having a great godly family. <laughs> have a godly marriage. You know when I have my biggest fights? When I'm in a relationship series. And then I got to step up here and say, life-giving relationship, conflict resolution. We've had the biggest fight we've ever had, and I've got to put my little smile on, and someone say, you're faking it. No, 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 baby, I'm walking in grace. I'm faithing it, recognizing that that's an attack, and I do know how to do it. I just, I realize I don't get it right all the time. And so I was just telling my kids about, you know, David and Abigail and David and Bathsheba. And the crazy thing is David should be off the war. He's not. Some lady is naked on the roof bathing so whether that's appropriate or not I don't know but it sure seems suspect you know <laughs> brings her in they have she's pregnant brings in her husband he's so righteous he's like no 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 my guys on the field ain't they're not enjoying their spouse I'm not going to enjoy I'm like that man is a righteous man I was like could you at least make him like like a scoundrel you know, somebody who would compromise, but this man had morals, character, focus. That's who David killed. Murdered. So whether or not she had a part to play, you don't know. He's the king. He brings her in. That baby dies because of the judgment of God. The next one, they're going to have another one. What happens? Well, then I think about Abigail. Abigail's this lady. David's walking by. Her husband is unjust. He is wicked. He's cussing out the king, telling him all the things he's done wrong. And David's mentality is, if it leave him alone. If it's God, he may be speaking the very words of God. And Abigail is pleading for the life of this wicked man, her husband. She is a righteous woman. She honors the king. And I'm like, this girl, that, that woman to be married to this unrighteous, but that girl's got it. That girl is, that's, she's the bomb. God kills her unrighteous husband. David takes her as a wife. Now, if I'm God, I'm like, okay, any, many, many, mo. Which one is Solomon coming through? Well, is Abigail? She gonna be a better mother, better family, better home. And do you know how amazing God is? He brought the single wisest, greatest man that's ever lived through a relationship that was birthed in adultery and murder and sin he said yeah I'm the God of redemption he loves dysfunction messed up messy that's where even with my staff and my team I, I just believe I want to be a messy church not like gossip, so don't do any of that. Just, But messy, like I don't care how much mud I get on me. 
I don't care what you did that tabloid said. Let them say this. This church loved people so well that they came in all messed up and dysfunctional, and, but they didn't stay that way. They were wounded in their heart. Unforgiveness was rotting at the core of who they were, but over time they became Christ followers, disciples, people who learned to live like Jesus on this earth. Uh, won't you stand up? We're going to do something tonight. Now, let me just give you some instruction. First, I want you to know forgiveness is for everyone. And not only is it for the people that have hurt you, it's for you. Some of you have made decisions that you've never forgiven yourself for. God's already forgiven. You keep bringing it up. You keep bringing it up. And God's like, I got to get that out of you. Just remember the thing about the, the sin. Here, here's what I love about God. It says he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west to no longer even rem the sea of forgetfulness, which means every time you bring it up, he's like, huh? What are you talking about? And so he sets you free, but you continue to leave yourself locked in a prison. And the devil's okay with you coming here to Anchor Bend. Just don't get freedom. Just stay, stay prisoner. And I'm here to tell you, God's going to set you free tonight. So here's what we're going to do. Let me just tell you, this is, I really felt like a, I was on assignment. Three things I'm going to tell you, and then we're going we're to do it. Number one, we're going to renounce the spirit of unforgiveness. Second thing is I'm going to pray for the forgiveness of God and the grace of God to cover your heart. And life, and then third, I'm going to command demonic spirits to leave your life. You're going to walk out of here free. So, the renouncing we don't do often, but I've got a whole uh, prayer. We're going to pray together. But if you feel like right now God brought you here, you've got unforgiveness. You're ready to walk in the forgiveness of God to forgive others, forgive yourself. I want you to come down to the front right now. Come quickly. Just hurry up. Just walk on down. This, yep, you know, just come on down. Tired of being in a prison. Just come on down. This tonight was for you. God gave me this last week, and I knew I was on assignment. Come on down. Anybody else? Okay. I think there's some more. And I'm not trying to get more people here because I need you here to feel good. Some of you have just... In fact, let me, let me just say this. Let me just pray it because the, the seed of the enemy would want you to sit here and justify where you're at because he wants you to walk out bound. And again, if nobody else comes down, I don't need you to come down. You ain't doing it for me. I'm doing it for you. Father, I pray right now any deceiving spirit be broken. Lord, I pray right now just the illumination. Some of that unforgiveness that has been pushed down so deep. I see someone... You pushed it down. God, right now, bring it to their mind. Bring it to their memory. Help them. Just right, right, yep. Some have been wrapped in religion, but it wasn't forgiveness. You prayed a prayer, but you hadn't really been delivered. Father, I pray right now, expose it, expose it, that you come down quickly. Father, we thank you. Father, we praise you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sing that for us. And just right here, just as they're doing it, I want you all to say, something has to break. God, something's got to break right now. Yeah. Sing it, Crystal. Just right there. Just don't build it too high, but just right here. And I feel like there's somebody watching right now. You're watching. You're in the right place at the right time. Just what I want you to do is I just want you to stand up. Just get in a posture to receive because we're going to make these declarations. And right where you're at, God is going to break every demonic spirit that's been tormenting you. Come on, let's sing it. Something has to break. Something has to break. 
here's what we're going to do. They're going to put up the first part up at the top. I think it's up on the screen behind me. There you go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say it, and I just want you to repeat. We'll, we'll find a rhythm, so let's just have some grace on that. And Here's the cool thing. Look at me if you're down here. This has nothing to do with you feeling this. It's the coolest thing about deliverance. I've done deliverance before and freedom, which I can't wait till next semester when our freedom small groups launch out. It's the craziest thing. You won't feel it. There, there'll be moments like, okay, and to, it's like, whoo. Because sometimes we equate emotion with true freedom. No, 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 no. We're going to do this because this is how we do it. How God's word says it. You're going to be del- you're going to be delivered today, right now. The things that have been bound or binding you up are going to be broken off. So we're going to find our rhythm, and we got it. We got a lot to say. So just join with me, okay? If you're out there. I just want you to pray. If you have a prayer language, be praying. Just say, God moves right here. Say, Father, I confess that in the past I held unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment in my heart against certain people who have hurt me and disappointed me I now recognize this is a sin I confess it and I ask for your forgiveness for you have said in your word that if I confess my sin you are faithful and just to forgive me of all of my sin and cleanse me of all unrighteousness it's good first step we're going to keep going now we're going to renounce I renounce all hatred anger resentment revenge retaliation unforgiveness and bitterness in the name of Jesus and let me just explain what's happening when you're renouncing you are actually literally cutting the cord of the enemy on your life that's what's happening. Like you could feel it. It's like boom. It just why? Because you have to renounce. Like there's a part that God does, but you you see, here's the challenge. You're the one that tethered to the devil. Now you got to cut the cord to the devil. That torment, you're the one that tethered through the unforgiveness. You've recognized it, and the renouncing is <laughs> I'm done. I forgive any person who has ever hurt me, disappointed me, abandoned me mistreated me or rejected me in the name of Jesus I repent for criticism fault finding and all agreement with the accuser of the brethren Lord I pray that you will forgive and bless the people who I have called guilty who are still alive with the knowledge and understanding of your goodness I submit all judgment to Jesus and come out of agreement with every unholy spirit of judgment. I break all curses that have come from this judgment in Jesus' name. I now freely forgive all the people who have hurt me and I ask you to bless them. If they're living, bless them. I also forgive myself for my many faults and my failures because you have freely forgiven me. Thank you, Father, for your freedom, for the load of unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment to be taken off for freedom now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to say that last one one more time because I, I, I want to do it one more time. Say, say thank you, Father, for freedom. For freedom, for freedom from the load, from the heavy load, the unbearable load of unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's worship. Come on, sing the song. I feel it in this room. Holy Spirit,
We're doing some work now. We're going to go in there, but we're not ready to dive in. Jump into the Jesus. Jesus, something. Let's move us into. Because it's broken. Say, it's broken. It's broken. I'm telling you, you're walking out different. You're not in a prison. Now you're going, you're going to take steps. I'm telling you. You're going to walk out. You feel lighter. You're, it's like, God, something's happened. It has happened. Because nothing is manifest in the natural without first happening in the spirit realm. That's the problem with when we can go to a place and we feel better, but we don't do spiritual warfare. Like, I can't always do this on a Sunday, but that's why we got to do it on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray just God's grace over your life. I'm going to pray this blessing over you. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to command every demonic spirit to leave you. Because the tether is broken, the cord is broken, but now we're commanded. Some of you got the devil in you. And you just broke it out and God's going to deliver you right now. You'll be, I'm, I'm telling you right now, some of you are going to be delivered of demonic spirits right now that are not tethered to you, but they're literally in you. That we came to do work tonight. Pray. Father, I pray forgiveness wash over them. Plead the blood of Jesus over every single one. That you love them. So God, fill them with your grace. Those, the emptiness of that bitterness, God, would you fill it up right now? Fill it up. I lose joy. Some of you have been fighting depression. It's not depression, it's been the result of unforgiveness. Father, I lose joy in their life. I lose grace in their life. God, I lose forgiveness to flow freely. Father, we worship you, we praise you. I lose health into every cell, every tissue, every fiber of their being. I don't know. I just, I don't know if this is God or not. I, 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 I sense God was healing somebody. God, if that's you, just do your work. God, do it. Would you do it? If you feel him healing, you just say, I receive it. Say, thank you, Jesus. Just guess we'll know if we hear a story, won't we? I break a spirit of suicide. We bind you in Jesus' name. I lose freedom, 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 freedom. I break a spirit of confusion. We bind you in Jesus' name. Lord, I lose clarity of thought. I lose wisdom. Now, Father, I pray right now, every demonic spirit, go now in Jesus' name. Go. Bye. Jesus' name, go. Mm. Spirit of death, be gone now in Jesus' name. Deceiving spirit, be gone now in Jesus' name. Spirit of perversion be gone now in Jesus' name. Go, go, go. Every generational demonic stronghold broken now in Jesus' name. If you have a prayer language, just begin to pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We praise you. Come on. There you go. God's doing a deep work. You don't need me to call it out. He's doing it in you. You just rejoice. Come on, thank you, sir. Thank you, Jesus. Freedom, 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 freedom. 
Thank you, Father. There you go. Come on, sing that. Come on, let's worship. Come on, say, I receive it. Just begin to shout the name of Jesus. but I'm excited about the power of God being demonstrated through the church. It doesn't have to get weird. Look, it's 8.35. We didn't even do a four-hour service. People got delivered, set free. You got fed, right? I just think God's doing it a different way, you know, and I do want to encourage you with a couple of things. Number one, some of you, God did a deep work. I wish it was just this and you're good. You got to go work. Some of you need counseling. Well, I'd, I'd actually say all of y'all need counseling. I, 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 we all need it. I'm telling you, I've been in counseling for years. My appointment is Thursday at one o'clock, so don't ever try to get in touch with me then because that is Randy Powell's time. And he digs in, and I gotta be honest, three weeks in a row, I left triggered. Last him, like he did good the whole time. The last five, 10 minutes, he pushed a button and he let me go. Hey, I'm sorry, time's gone. But if he's triggering me, that means God's working. I'd rather my counselor dig deep than me get caught up in something. And I'm just telling you, some of you look, it ain't, it ain't like something's wrong with you. I, we all need it. And I want to tell you this, if you, if you, if you need counseling, the Houston Center for Christian Counseling is where I recommend everybody to go. That's where Phyllis and I started off. And then listen, if you have my book, the last chapter talks about forgiveness. If you don't, just get a copy. I'll sew it into you tonight free just get a copy Ashley get back there I know you're gonna kill me I don't care I'm the boss if you don't have a copy of that book and you want it look at the last chapter about unforgiveness and then go into chapters 10 and 11 which is paradigms and trauma triggers and just say God I got this is a place to start and then get some help because again here's what will happen if you don't get the tools you'll be right back where you're at it's more than just a spiritual moment now I got to go and renew my mind got to work it out and so I want to encourage you with that okay I do want to end with this if you want prayer ministry of any kind I want you to come down if you we'll have our ministry team over here we'll pray with you I did feel like that someone is at the place to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit I'm not gonna take time in this service but our prayer partners are ready and I think somebody's here you're ready to have that encounter and 
Here's what I encourage you. Go over here and tell them, hey, I, I, I want to be baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says you will be endued with power from on high. Who doesn't want power in today's world? What you're not saying is, I don't want power. You're not saying I don't want power. You're saying I don't want the cuckoo. The Holy Spirit ain't cuckoo. Just cuckoo people got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're still cuckoo. Holy Spirit is very normal. And he may ask you to stretch out and do some things that make you uncomfortable, but the Holy Spirit ain't weird. He's my comforter. He's my strength. He's my guide. And so don't miss that opportunity and just know he's here for you. And that's the power. You, do, you know, and this is the misconception. If you're not filled, you're not saved. No. But why would I want to be married and never kiss my wife? Like I, 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 so you're married to God now. It's like, man, I want that intimacy, you know? And so that's, that's what I just encourage you with. And then keep coming back. God is doing something. You're at a church in a place. You're safe. We don't care about messy we're going to go all in with God. We're going to be followers of Christ. And come back Sunday. I have got a word for a Sunday. I have more clarity with where God is taking us. So I think God gives us levels, reveals seasons. And so I'm really excited to share where God is taking us. And we're going to see God do some great things. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance and give you great peace.